This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. My name is Darren. I'm one of the pastors here at Conduit, and we're just so excited that you're here with us tonight. Uh, So excited to get to be here at Christmas. We weren't able to do this last year, so it's exciting to get to do it this year. For those watching online tonight, here in Tennessee and around the country, Merry Christmas to wherever you are, and we pray uh, that God is with you wherever you are as well, uh, with your family and your friends. So tonight, Luke chapter 1, verse 26, 27, 28, this whole story of when Mary was asked by an angel to be the one that would bring Jesus into the world. And what's amazing is that Mary said, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word be to me fulfilled. I think your King James Version say, be it unto me, right? As you you have said, be it unto me. And I am extremely grateful that she said yes. And I'm extremely grateful that she said yes because there wasn't anybody standing in line behind her. She said yes to what? She said yes to Christ in her. And again, there wasn't a line, there wasn't an options. In fact, I want to suggest to you that not only was Mary, like, she wasn't the only one alive at the time, she's the only one alive in history. It was Mary, it had to be Mary, it was always Mary, and if she said no, our world would have been so much different. You see, I say that it was her, had to be her, the Bible tells us, the prophecies tell us that it was from Nazareth, that it would be in a town called Nazareth, that he would be called a Nazarene. Now, if you've been to Israel, you know now Nazareth is like this bustling community, but back then, it was a town of about 400 people or less. Now, to put that in perspective, in this room right now are about 400 people, okay? Entire population of the community. And inside of that community of 400 it needed to be a young female, a young woman, who had not yet been with a man because Genesis 3.15, in the garden when God first set this plan in motion, said that it was gonna be from her seed that would crush his head. So he already narrowed it down to 50% of the population. And I know that there are children in here, so not to be indelicate, but a woman doesn't have a seed in the biblical sense, and so, It was going to be not only a woman, it was going to be a woman who had not been with a man from Nazareth. Not just from Nazareth, not just had never been with a man, but needed to be in the bloodline of Abraham. Not just in the bloodline of Abraham, Abraham had two sons. It was going to be in the bloodline of Isaac, not Ishmael. Ishmael had a blessing and God had a plan for him, but it was not that plan. He was not the promised one. And from Isaac came Jacob, two sons Jacob, Esau, it came through Jacob, and Jacob had a whole bunch of kids from a whole bunch of folks, and in God's mercy, he still smiled and said, yeah, but it's going to be somebody named Judah through his bloodline. Jesus was a lion from the tribe of Judah. He was literally narrowing it down, and he would narrow it down to Jesse, he would narrow it down to David, he was literally funneling it down to a place called Nazareth. 
a town of 400 people, let's say there might have been 10 to 15 girls that could have even been possible for it, but there was only one that would have been in the bloodline of Jesus in a group that small, and her name was Mary. And the miraculous thing was that she said yes. And she said yes to Christ in her. Now the invitation from Christmas is for us to also say yes to Christ in us. God moves things and puts things in place. In, in fact, by the way, one of the things that was confusing was he was going to be from Nazareth, but how in the world did Mary end up in Bethlehem? Right? Because Micah said that he would be Bethlehem. The Bible says Nazareth. And what did God use? He used government mandates. <laughs> God does that a lot. He takes a government mandate and he shakes up the snapple and moves all the pieces around and gets the good stuff floating back up to the top. <laughs> Fans of snapple. <laughs> Here's the thing. The invitation for Mary was for Christ in her, that she would give birth, but for Christ literally in her. And that's the invitation that is still for us today because the Bible tells us in Colossians chapter one that it is Christ in you that is the hope of glory. And so in the same way that Mary said yes, and it was miraculous that she was there, miraculous that she said yes, that God moved all these pieces into place to make that happen, I wanna suggest to you that God does the same for you as well. You see, it was just a few years ago that there was a mathematician that uh, went to the trouble of doing the math of the statistical probability that you would have even been born at all. Now you think, well, I was just born, my mom and dad, you know, maybe it was a little blizzard night in Nebraska, who knows, but for some reason I'm born because of that. But I'm telling you, there's a, a miraculous thing. This mathematician from Harvard calculated the odds of you even being born, you, like you specifically, Ethan Jacob Tyler, like the, 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 the chances of you being here are one in 400 trillion. Now you think, how, did, how in the world did he do that? Here's what he's doing the math on. You had ancestors that at some point had to find each other suitable enough, just good looking enough to be, to be married. And that ancestor had to marry that ancestor, and on the other side, the other ancestors had to, and suddenly they had, they had to overcome spears, overcome plagues, overcome wars, overcome lack of medical care, and somehow, throughout all of that, you were born. One in 400 trillion. Now, you might think that sounds like a little bit of a, a stretch, but look, think with me on this. But, and by the way, if you care about things like um, infogra infographics, so I'm going to go ahead and give up on this, if you don't mind. We're done with this. Um, <laughs> there's an infographic that shows all the math and it's a mind-blowing idea. But I wanna tell you a story to prove you a little bit on my side. See, in 1865, there was a guy and his family named Eurastus Comstock. Now, we have children in the room, so I want you to feel free to make up your own jokes in your own mind, in your own seats because I promise you there are plenty of things that could be really hilarious right now. I mean, you bet your, I'm sorry, I just, I can't. Um, there's kids. Eurastus Comstock was attacked 
and his family at an outpost in Oak, Nebraska by Cheyenne and Lakota. Eurastus was one of the only surviving members of that family that survived. And Eurastus, isn't that just fun to say on Christmas? And his son James survives, and James would give uh, birth, he would have a son named Harry, who would then give birth to a guy named James, who would then give birth, he would father a daughter named Bessie. Now, keeping in mind what Eurastus survived, uh, the, the Lakota and the, and the Indians, Harry survived the, uh, actually, James survived World War I. He survived the Spanish flu, just in time for his daughter Bessie to be born, who survived the Great Depression, who gives birth to a son named Dale, who survives World War II who gives birth to a a daughter named Lynn, who survived, uh, married my father actually, and survived the Vietnam War, who gives birth to a son named Darren, who survived the 80s. (laughs) Right? And of all these survivals, who do you think survived the most, right, remember? (laughs) And of all those things, if only one arrow went a different way, if one bullet flew a different way, if one Spanish flu went a different way, there's no Ethan Tyler sitting here tonight. You see, it's a miracle that any of us are in here tonight. And the promise of Jesus was, I want you here. You see, you could say, like the mathematician, there's just some statistical anomaly and some statistical probability that you just ended up here. But that's why Colossians says that Christ in you is the hope of glory. And here's why, because if you were just a mathematical improbability that just happened to be here, there's no hope in that. Because that means you're an accident. And that means at some point, your life will be snuffed out, and in three generations, you won't, no one will even know your name. There's no hope in that. But Christ in you, the hope of glory, The idea of glory is weight, it's heft, it's purpose, it's meaning. That's what the word glory means. If you have any hope of any sort of weight and purpose and meaning in your life at all, it is only Christ in you. And the way that he would do that wasn't just to come to earth to be a nice guy. Now, the way that that happened was Christ became one of us, leaving behind his heavenly abode to become one of us so that he could be among us and that he would die for us in my place specifically. Hi. that it was through that act that you and I could receive Christ in us. See, Mary said, be it unto me, as you have said. And what did Jesus say? What were they saying? I want you to be the one. I want to, you, know, you to have Christ in you. And what he says to us is Mark 1.15, repent and believe. Repent is very simple. Just Look, my life is not working the way this is at all. That I, without Jesus, without God, that every version of science, every version of secularism, every version of whatever it is that I'm trying is taking me back to the same place of emptiness and repentance. I'm sorry. 
I'm turning around. I'm going the exact opposite direction. That's simply what repent means. And that's what Jesus said in Mark 1.15, repent. And then he said, and believe. And believe simply is, do you believe that he has your best interests in mind? Do you believe that the God of the universe actually spoke you into existence that long before the foundations of the earth, long before you were in your mother's womb, Psalm 139 says he knew who you were and he had a plan for you and he was creating and he was making space for you. Do you believe that? Do you believe? Do you believe that your sin is so bad that nothing short of the death of the Son of God could pay for it? And yet, you are so passionately loved that he did it gladly. Believe that. And in doing so, inviting Christ in to you. That's the invitation of Christmas to Mary. Would you allow Jesus to be in you? And she said yes. And she was the only one that could have. And now for you, would you say yes to Christ in you, knowing that if you, the miracle of who you are, the miracle that you're even here speaks of a God that wanted you here and a God that loves you so much that he wanted you to be with him forever. Could you believe that today and invite that Christ into your heart? Could you believe that? Because if you can, in the same way that Mary's life was changed forever, so will yours. And not just your world, but the world of those around us. I want to ask you tonight to consider those two questions. The, the first one is if you've never invited Christ in ever, you, you've never had Jesus into your, in your life at the, the beginning of I just, I'm trusting in you, would you be willing tonight to repent and to believe that he has your best interests in mind, that he came to seek and to save you. There are two kinds of people in the world, those that Jesus has saved and those that he wants to. Would you, that tonight, and for those that have trusted in Christ, Revelation 3 speaks of Jesus standing at the door and knocking, and that sounds like such a great altar call song, but it's not. He's talking to Jesus. He's talking to Christians, to churches. I'm knocking on the door of your heart. Would you say yes to invite me in. Many of us have kept Jesus in the backyard. We keep him out in the guest house. We got him in the Airbnb. Like we, he's there. We know he's there, but we don't want to enter messing with the furniture. I don't want to mess with my stuff. But if he has your best interest in mind, what if you invited him in? Because I promise you, 2,000 years later, Mary has not a single regret for saying yes to Christ in her. And neither would you. This Christmas, would you take that moment to ask yourself that question? I'm going to pray for you right now. But for those of you that are, I've never really trusted in Christ before, while I'm praying for you, you don't need me in between you and God. You don't need a priest in between you and God. You get to talk directly to God. And right where you are, just formulate whatever prayer. If you know, I don't know what to say. Just say, God, I'm so sorry. God, I'm, I'm changing my mind. This is not working out for me at all. I'm saying yes to Christ in me. Believe what you said. Believe that you died. Believe that you resurrected. And for those that you maybe have kept Jesus out in the backyard or in the upstairs back closet, maybe tonight you're opening the door to Jesus, not in the back of your life, but in the middle. 
of your life, saying yes to Christ in you, because Christ in you is the hope. It's your only hope of glory. Heavenly Father, I'm praying right now for my brothers and sisters. There are those in here that have never trusted in you before. Those that have just, Grandpa drugged me in here, and I don't even know why I'm here, but you're, there's that tug on their heart right now. Lord, I pray that they respond to that, answer that, and just like Mary, say, yes, be it unto me as you have said. And for those, Lord, that have kept you in the back alley, kept you in the upstairs, in the back closet, outside, in the backyard, tonight, let's not waste this Christmas in inviting Christ into us. You have our best interests in mind. We know this because you became one of us. We know this because you paid the price for us. I invite you into that right now, in Jesus' name. Now for the communion elements that are on your lap, I want to ask you to pull those out now. And I want you to, as you pull them out, those of us who are in Christ, in that relationship, to open it up, and you're going to find that little wafer. And this is a symbolic move, a symbolic idea. There's no miracle. It's not turning into flesh in your mouth, nothing like that. This is just symbolic of when you take this in, you are literally taking Christ into you. His broken body, broken for you. Would you take that in? Heavenly Father, we take that, this little wafer, this little tasteless thing, it's nothing, but it's a symbol that says something. Lord, that you were broken, that by your stripes we were healed. And you can take that in now, Ralph. And the little juice, that little cup, <laughs> it speaks of the blood that was paid. That was the price. The wages of sin is death. You and I have done things, said things, been things that we can't undo. The toothpaste is out of the tube. There's no check large enough to pay for it, but there was blood that was big enough to cleanse it. And so take that and drink it tonight. And Jesus, we receive that into us this evening as well. Jesus, the miracle of your birth started at conception. A few years ago, scientists saw something in 2016 that had never been seen before. They were able to capture the moment of conception on camera. They, sh they filmed it. And when that happened, that is the spark of life that happens at the moment when an egg is fertilized. That is the moment that life begins. But in a dark world, that light is only a spark, and it only is a little spark, and it goes back out again. But when Christ is in you, he says, now, Jesus, I'm the light of the world. I'm going to take that spark and turn you into the light that I meant you to be. You and I are the light of the world. Every family that we set free from slavery, every food that we serve, we sent $15,000 just this week to feed hundreds and hundreds of people in Haiti that are suffering immensely right now. We don't do that for social justice. We do that because we know that they're valuable and we know 
that they are beloved in the eyes of God. And the Bible tells us that when we do that, that is us letting our light shine before man that they might see our good works and not glorify conduit. I promise you they're not, but glorify him, glorify God. And so that light of Christ inside of you, whether we're loving on people in Mayfield, Kentucky, or Columbia, Tennessee, or in Kathmandu, Nepal, we are the light of the world. It's our invitation. Now, if you've got those candles in front of you for this last few minutes, we're going to sing one more carol. People are going to be making their way down with, uh, to be able to help you light that and light your neighbor's candles. Let's stand to our feet. Let's sing this together, knowing that we are not just a spark in a womb, but we are a light in a dark world.